Gotham Audio Theater presents Batman, the Gray Man of Gotham. Chapter 1. Illumination at GCPD. With the city shrouded in darkness, James Gordon finds himself waiting on the rooftop of the GCPD's headquarters on an exceptionally chilly April night. As the clouds hang heavy over Gotham City, a beam of light pierces the night, casting the shape of a bat in the sky above. The cold seeps into the weary commissioner's bones as he reflects upon his tenure in this bleak city ravaged by crime and corruption. Why would any sensible man expose their family to the dangers and depravities of such a godforsaken hellhole? And to rely on the enigmatic Batman, a solitary vigilante whose identity remains unknown to Commissioner Gordon as its protector, is even more bewildering. Gotham has a strange way of intertwining the lives of these two men. Is it chance or destiny at play? As the commissioner struggles to find answers, his deep thoughts are interrupted by rookie police officer Johnson. You think he's coming, boss? Huh? The bat. You think he's coming? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, Rook. It's always a crapshoot with this guy. Speaking of, something I've been meaning to ask. The, uh, signal. If you don't mind me saying, sir, it seems a bit, um, silly. Can't you just, like, text him or something? Eh, you kids and your damn phones. No appreciation for nostalgia. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to dial 1-800-BATS every time I get in a pickle. That just ain't the nature of our arrangement. Besides, the signal's not just for him. It's for letting everyone know he's out there. Yeah, I suppose. Say, Johnson... How long we've been freezing our butts out out here? Uh, better part of two hours, sir. Yeah. I think it's time to call it quits for the night. Batman ain't showing up and we ain't getting any younger standing around here. Let's kill the signal and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Let me tell you, kid. A big, greasy roast beef sandwich and a steaming cup of joe would hit the spot right about now. Swear to God... I'm getting too old for this cloak and dagger bullshit. Evening. Ah! Jesus H. Christ, Batman. You trying to give me a heart attack? Sorry I'm late. Busy night. Holy moly! Batman, it's really you! Johnson, how's the wife and kids? Huh? Well, um, let's see. Linda got promoted at work, and, um, Billy just started kindergarten, and, uh, hey, hold on. How did you know? <coughs> Johnson. Right. Sorry, sir. What do you have for me, Commissioner? Just about the damnest set of two one ones I've ever seen. Seven incidents within the span of five hours in broad daylight, no less. Same M.O. So we're fairly sure it's the same guy. Casualties? Nothing too major, thank God. The perp pistol-whipped one of the Vicks, but that's about it. The rest just handed over the goods without putting up a fight. Cash, phones, watches, jewelry, and the likes. They'll probably show up in some sleazy pawn shop in a few days. I know what you're thinking. 26.3 armed robberies in Gotham on any given day. Doesn't sound all that out of the ordinary, right? So, here's where it gets interesting. Out of the seven victims, all but one can't give a solid idea on the perp. Meaning what, exactly? Somebody did a real number on them and left their memory all scrambled. Hardly a single piece of useful information between the lot. Bullock's been running the interrogations, but Harvey's getting nowhere with those poor bastards. Any eyewitnesses? Not a single one. Some punk robs people in the middle of the street during lunch hour, and nobody sees a goddamn thing. What about CCTV? Nah, the street coverage hasn't been up to snuff in years. Remember the mayor's speech about uh, respecting the citizens' right to privacy? <laughs> what a load of BS. That schmuck's just scared of being caught on tape, leaving the iceberg lounge with his mistress. Oh, sure, we might have better luck with transit hubcams. 
but Judge Faden's way too busy perfecting his golf swing to be bothered with something as trivial as issuing a warrant. No, sir. Not Judge Faden. You mentioned earlier that one of the victims was able to provide a more detailed description of the perpetrator. Yeah, our star witness. Not just some regular chump, either. Councilman Robert Murdoch, fresh out of City Hall. Here, made you a copy of everything we've got so far. Locations, interviews, reports, the whole nine yards. Gordon hands Batman a flash drive, which the caped crusader inserts into a slot in his gauntlet before transferring the data onto the Batsuit's onboard computer. Is that all, Commissioner? Now that you mention it, there's something you ought to... Hey, Johnson, why don't you go inside and warm up? There's probably some coffee left in the break room. We're good here. That's a 10-4, boss. I'll be sure to save you a cup. Uh, good seeing you, Bats. Johnson. Look, I didn't want to say anything in front of the kid. But there's something you ought to know about Murdoch. Real nasty piece of work. There's all kinds of rumors going around about how he hustled his way to office. You know how it goes in this town. Harry owes Dick a favor. Dick has dirt on Tom. Tom wouldn't mind seeing Harry sleep with the fish's hands. Around and around we go. On top of everything else, Murdoch's a member of the PFC. Police funding committee, that is. Apparently, these city official types don't take kindly to being jacked. Reading between the lines, the creep made it crystal clear that if GCPD didn't catch the mugger, they'd be looking at some budget cuts. I'm running a skeleton crew as it is. If those jagoffs at City Hall cut our funding, I ain't got no choice but to let some of my guys go. The rookies are always the first to get the axe. Like Johnson over there. Half the department is on the take, or moonlighting for the damn Falconis. But Johnson... Kid's actually one of the few honest cops around here. He deserves a fighting chance. As much as I hate to be asking favors out of you, I'm in a tight spot here. The department's got a lot riding on this. No crime is beneath my notice, Jim. It's only a matter of time before an armed robber gets out of hand. Good people in Gotham have lost their lives that way. Phew. That sure is a load off my mind. Can't begin to tell you how. Uh, Batman? The commissioner takes his eyes off Batman for a second, only to find himself staring at an empty rooftop. The dark night has slipped away into the shadows without so much as a farewell. Gordon is less than amused. Swear to God, one of these days I'm going to pull the vanishing act on him. See how he likes it. Dressing up as a bat. What kind of grown-ass man does that anyway? End of Chapter 1 Chapter 2 Deduction at the Gotham Clock Tower Disguised by the cover of night, Batman stealthily enters the Gotham Clock Tower. Unbeknownst to most of its citizens, Gotham City's most prominent landmark conceals the secret lair of Barbara Gordon, daughter of Commissioner James Gordon. Once upon a time, Barbara Gordon was known as Batgirl, a vigilante who worked alongside Batman as his protege. After a spinal injury inflicted by the Joker left her paralyzed, Barbara now aids Batman as the wheelchair-bound master hacker Oracle. Despite her physical limitations, Oracle continues to make a powerful impact in the fight against crime, using her expertise in the digital realm. Batman has entered the clock tower, standing down security protocols. Barbara. Oh, hey Bruce. What brings you to my neck of the woods? Your father asked me to investigate a series of armed robberies. The evidence is scarce, to say the least. I was hoping the clock tower's surveillance grid might be able to reveal some additional insights. You have my undivided attention. Computer, initialize file synchronization with Batsuit. File synchronization complete. Open case file 71-8-62. Play interrogation, Emerson, Margaret, J. Monday, April 4th, 11.48 a.m. 
Detective Harvey Bullock interviewing Mrs. Margaret Emerson. Time index, three minutes, five seconds. And around and there he was, standing right in front of me, like he came out of nowhere. Not sure if he actually said anything, but he, uh, he pointed at my purse and that's when I realized he, he meant to take it from me. He? So the mugger was male? I think. You think? Well, I mean, sh- surely I would have noticed if it was a woman, wouldn't I? Uh, right. What about the mugger's ethnicity? How strange. Now that you mention it, I didn't pay much attention to that. You might think I'm just being politically correct, but I honestly don't remember. Okay. So was the mugger wearing a mask, or...? No, not a mask. But I couldn't get a good look at him. There seemed to be something casting a shadow on his face. Perhaps the hood of his shirt? During midday in April? Uh, excuse me, ma'am, but that doesn't sound too plausible. Nothing but sun and clear skies. The sun? Yes. I remember feeling the warmth of the sun on my face, but when I try to remember the mugger's appearance, it's just a complete blur. Um, what was the mugger's build like? Skinny, fat, bone, beefcake? Um... Normal, you know, like average. I'm terribly sorry, detective. I I know I know help at all, but I I really don't recall. No, not to worry, ma'am. I'm sure you're uh, doing your best. Let's talk about other people for a moment. Were there any bystanders who might have witnessed the incident? Well, dozens, probably. Everyone just kept walking on by, minding their own business. It's like nobody cares about anyone else in this city. That's Gotham for you. I wanted to scream for someone to call 911, but everything was so disorienting and and confusing. I see. Did the mugger have a weapon of some sort? Um, I'm inclined to say yes. I think he had a gun. No, wait. Maybe it was a knife, after all. Metallic. Yes, definitely something metallic. With all due respect, Mrs. Emerson, you can tell the difference between a piece and a blade, right? Of course I can. Do you take me for some senile dimwit? For goodness sakes! (sighs) Please, excuse me, detective. I really shouldn't have gotten worked up like that. It's just so frustrating. Like trying to hold on to a dream that keeps slipping away. My therapist has told me that it may be a result of post-traumatic stress reaction. Well, you've been through a lot, and it's true that uh, folks tend to react differently to these sort of things. You think you'll be able to catch him? I'm on a level with you, Mrs. E. The department's doing its best, but but it doesn't look too promising. All we've got is some punk in a hoodie who looks like every other schlub on the street. I could throw my cigar out the nearest window and probably hit some sorry SOB matching that description. Pause. Yeah, I'm starting to understand what you meant by scarce evidence. Are all the marks singing the same tune? More or less. There's some minor differences here and there, but that's to be expected. It is well established within the field of criminology that witnesses' statements may not always be entirely reliable. The human mind often unconsciously inserts personal biases and preconceptions into its recollection of events when attempting to create a coherent narrative. But for the most part, both statements and profiles of the victims are strikingly similar. Middle-aged to elderly, affluent, and either small in stature or out of shape. Easy prey. Likely to have valuables unlikely to fight back. The only victim who doesn't fit the pattern is a city official named Robert Murdoch, 
former VIP bodyguard, 6'3", 240 pounds. At age 52 years old, he is in remarkable shape for a man of his age. Before becoming a councilman, Murdoch worked nine years at Cyanus Security. Hold on, Cyanus? As in Roman Cyanus? The very same. Cyanus Security is a subsidiary of Cyanus Industries. Going from hired muscle to man of the people? Now that's an interesting career development. Call me paranoid, but having one of Black Mask's ex-goons in public office doesn't exactly inspire confidence. From what I could gather, Cyanus Security is a legitimate business and not just a front organization. For all we know, Murdoch and Cyanus might have never even met in person. Furthermore, Cyanus Security has a client list that reads like a who's who of the Gotham's elite. With such high-profile clients, there would be plenty of opportunities to make connections in all the right places, with or without Roman's involvement. Either way, Murdoch is the only victim who was able to provide a substantial description of the perpetrator. Somehow, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Computer, play interrogation Murdoch, Robert S. Tuesday, April 5th, 9.32 a.m. Detective Harvey Bullock, interviewing Councilman Robert Time index, Murdoch. two minutes, 32 seconds. Had a three o'clock meeting with a real estate developer on the Upper West Side. On our way back to the car, we took a shortcut through a small back alley. Uh, who's we, sir? Higgins and myself. And Higgins is? Anthony Higgins, my bodyguard. The city provides all councilmen with armed escorts. Which is rather ironic, considering. Considering what, sir? I used to work in the security biz myself, back in the day. Ah, I see. Right. So was Mr. Higgins with you when you got jumped? No. I was alone at the time. I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. And spotted this fellow in a gray hoodie. Hispanic. North of 25. Just shy of 6 feet. 175 to 190 pounds. He had a tattoo on his neck. Skulls, guns, flowers, what have you. Uh-huh. I think I know what you mean. Seen a bunch of them on what you might call a less savory element of the society. Yes, I can imagine. In any case, he pulled a gun on me. Pretty sure it was a 45, and demanded that I hand over my valuables. 45. Gotcha. So what did you do? Called his bluff is what I did. I told that punk he better be prepared to use the iron, because I ain't giving him squat. Seen enough slackers in my days to know that he didn't have the guts to pull the trigger. And the mugger's reaction? Guess he realized my old Timex and a few bucks ain't worth a murder charge. And he ran away. But not before giving me a little love tap as a parting gift. That, uh, certainly took some cojones to keep you cool, if you don't mind me saying. Now, you mentioned earlier that your bodyguard wasn't with you. Where was Mr. Higgins during the stick-up? Tony went ahead to start the car while I, uh... I made a pit stop. Uh, pit stop? The old prostate ain't what it used to be. And when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> Amen, brother. My missus is like this close to making me wear adult diapers. <laughs> For the love of God, pause. Jeez, talk about TMI. Well, at least we have something to work with. Still bugs me, though. Why are all the other marks drawing a blank? You're the resident expert on mind games. What's your take on this? According to Occam's Razor, the most likely explanation is emotional trauma. It's not uncommon for victims of violent crimes to struggle to remember any details of the incident. But not our boy Murdoch. How come he's such a cool customer? It stands to reason that Murdoch's bodyguard training would have prepared him to handle high-stress situations better than the average citizen. True. Not to mention the fact that Gotham's demographic is quite diverse. As Bullock pointed out, an average-looking Hispanic male in a hoodie doesn't exactly stick out like a sore thumb. Gray man. Gray man? We're assigning supervillain monikers to purse snatchers now? The term gray man is used by intelligence operatives and survivalists to describe someone whose appearance and behavior blend seamlessly into their surroundings, allowing them to go unnoticed and leave no lasting impression. A gray hoodie is a physical embodiment of the gray man concept. 
as it is an everyday garment with muted colors that provide perfect camouflage in an urban environment. Fascinating, I'm sure, but it doesn't really help our case. Tell me more about Murdoch. Any juicy tidbits that I should know? Background check revealed a single DUI and some unpaid back taxes. Aside from his employment with Scientist, nothing really stands out. Is Bobby a family man? And I don't mean the good fellas kind. Not according to public records, at least. There's no mention of him ever being married or fathering a child. So basically he's a tall, fit, and gracefully matured ass-kicker who also happens to be a sworn bachelor? Remind you of anyone? Clever. Point is, based on what your father told me, I expected something a little more... colorful. I hear that. In this town, it's practically front-page news when somebody turns out to be less of a sleazeball than expected. In any case, we don't have sufficient cause to question Murdoch's credibility. Nothing in his statement contradicts with what little the other victims were able to tell Bullock. And it's not like we have much else to go on. Right now, Murdoch's statement is the only solid lead we have. Building on that, our first step should be to identify any possible suspects and place them at the scene of the crime. Computer, display a map of Gotham City and overlay the incidents in chronological order. Processing. What do you see, Barbara? You never miss an opportunity to give a lesson, do you? Fine, I'll play along. Let's see. By analyzing the locations and chronology of the incidents, it appears that Greyman is moving south from Robbinsville, past Miller Harbor, then west from the Financial District and City Hall, proceeding to the Diamond District, and finally the Upper West Side. All the crime scenes are within a few blocks of a subway station. Factoring in average velocity on foot and timeline of the incidents, I'm theorizing that Greyman is moving along the Yellow Line, more specifically, the D-Train. With this hypothesis, we should be able to determine the perpetrator's location at any given time. GCPD has already hit a dead end on the streets. But the police don't have the legal authority to access Gotham's rail CCTV without a warrant. If we can tap into their network, we could use the shape recognition AI to scan the footage for individuals matching Murdoch's description. I have access to Gotham Rail's server. But their low-res cameras are a bunch of relics. AI's going to have a hard time singling out one crook amongst a crowd of thousands. We might have a better chance of success if we scan for repetitive patterns, such as faces and clothing that were present at multiple stations within a probable margin of the perpetrator's estimated route. Not foolproof, but it should thin the herd quite a bit. Do it. Defining algorithm, setting parameters, and here we go. Processing. Processing. Scan complete. Rightio, we have eight matches. Two Caucasian females, one middle-aged and one elderly. Three Gotham Rail employees in uniforms, one female and two males. One teenage girl in a school uniform, one African-American janitor, and lo and behold... One average height, average build Hispanic male wearing a gray hoodie. Run a facial recognition scan against the GCPD database. Let's see if our lucky winner has a rap sheet. Way ahead of you. And bingo. Hector Emilio Alvarez, age 27, 5 foot 10 inches, 178 pounds. Gang affiliation, aggravated assault, B&E, resisting an arrest. Registered owner of a Springfield 1911. Yeah, Mr. Alvarez definitely fits the bill. He doesn't have a neck tattoo, but the mugshot isn't recent. He could have gotten ink done after the photo was taken. Last known address? Just a sec. 39 Kane Avenue. Hmm. Looks like the apartment number is missing. Kane Avenue is less than half a mile from Robbinsville Station. Hmm. Perhaps I should pay Alvarez a visit. Keep the calm lines open. I'll be in touch. Hey, Bruce. Thanks. For what? For being there for my dad. It really means the world to him that you always have his back. Your father's unwavering commitment to justice is an inspiration to us all. But more importantly, Jim's family. We look out for our own. End of Chapter 2 Chapter 3 
incident at Kane Avenue. Hot on the trail of the mysterious Gray Man, Batman races through downtown Gotham City, finally arriving at 39 Kane Avenue in Robbinsville. Fueled by the memory of his parents' untimely deaths in a violent mugging gone wrong, the caped crusader is determined to catch the perpetrator behind a string of armed robberies. Despite its former glory, the rooftop of this aging apartment building now lies largely forgotten, a shadow of its former self. The only activity to be found is the bustling of its avian inhabitants, who seem undeterred by the decay of this once mighty concrete goliath. Oracle, this is Batman. Do you read? I've got boots on target. Copy loud and clear, Batman. What's that chirping sound on the background? Pigeons? Doves. There's a dovecote on the rooftop. The door's still open. Someone was here just a moment ago. There might be some residual heat traces. Switching to infra- Batman? What's happening? Batman, come in. Oracle to all units. This is a priority one emergency. The bat is down. I repeat, the bat is down. Alfred, come here. I think he's coming around. Where? Where am I? Home. You're in the Batcave. You've been out for a while. What's the last thing you remember? Kane Avenue. Doves. After losing contact with you, I sent out a distress call. Nightwing and Robin were first to respond. Dick and Tim found you unconscious and dragged your 220-pound sorry behind back to the Batmobile. Fortunately, you have Alfred the world's greatest butler-slash-combat medic on payroll, to patch you up. On a more brighter note, sir, this time around you were a lot more compliant patient. You see, Miss Gordon, usually attending to Master Boose's injuries, can be quite akin to herding cats. What happened out there, Bruce? You gave us quite the scare. It appears that the Grey Man must have ambushed me. But how could Alvarez have known that you were onto him? I'm just as surprised as you are. Hector Alvarez has proven to be a formidable and dangerous opponent. I will not make the mistake of underestimating him again. If I may point out, sir, you're not exactly a pushover yourself. Alfred makes a good point. You can take on the world's best fighters and supervillains. It's practically impossible for any human to sneak up on you undetected. A human? No. But a meta-human? Perhaps. What, like some kind of telepathic invisibility cloak? I'm not ruling out the possibility that some form of sensory obfuscation was involved. That would certainly go a long way in explaining why Grey Man's victims don't have any recollection of him. Batman runs his fingers over the wound on his neck, examining the damage inflicted by the Grey Man's sneak attack. Okay, let's entertain the possibility that Grey Man has psychic abilities. That still doesn't explain how he was able to curb stomp you like that. Judging by how fast everything went down, Alvarez floored you with one shot. To quote the immortal words of Julie Newmar, that does not compute. I might have a hunch. Alfred, bring me the suit I wore last night. I need to see the cow. Here you are, sir. As you are aware, the Batsuit is designed to be modular and can be customized for different operational environments. Since I did not anticipate facing heavy opposition, I opted for a configuration that prioritized agility over protection against ballistic and blunt trauma injuries. Observe what happens when I turn the cowl towards its most forward angle in relation to the neck piece. Aha, I see it now. The cervical plates aren't overlapping completely, so there's a small opening for a strike to slip through. It's a negligible risk to enable greater mobility, yet somehow, Grey Man was able to exploit that vulnerability with pinpoint accuracy, delivering a blow to the occipital nerve with just enough force to incapacitate, but not paralyze or kill. Almost as if Alvarez is toying with me. 
With all due respect, Master Bruce, perhaps you're giving this grey man character too much credit. Who's to say he wasn't trying to kill you? After all, we are talking about a petty thief who, for the most part, preys on defenseless old ladies. Now, now, Alfred, let's show Bruce some mercy. I believe that both his body and ego have suffered enough abuse for one night. Nevertheless, my dear, I'm merely suggesting that perhaps Master Bruce's current status among the living is due to good fortune rather than Mr. Alvarez's warped sense of generosity. Highly unlikely. The angle of impact is too awkward to be accidental. A man of his stature would have gained much more momentum by... Um, Bruce? Sir, if you're pausing for dramatic effect, I believe the device has served its purpose. Gotham Rail CCTV footage. One of the matches was a teenage girl. Yeah, what about her? You think she's a potential eyewitness or something? Or something. Reckon she's about 4'11", 105 pounds? Don't look at me. You're the one with the eidetic memory. Identifying her won't be straightforward. If she's under 16, she probably doesn't have a driver's license. And odds are against her having a passport. So unless she's been arrested or is in CPS custody, her photo won't be in the system. I got it. Mug. Mug? I believe it is one of those ghastly social media apps, sir. It was developed by LexCorp, if I am not mistaken. Quite popular among the youth. Master Timothy was raving about it just the other day. Those LexCorp creeps don't give a damn about cybersecurity. Their back end's got more holes than Swiss cheese. If she has an account, it should not be too hard to match the CCTV footage to her profile. Start working on a trace. In the meantime... <clears throat> whoa, whoa, whoa. Where do you think you're going? Heaven's sake, Master Bruce. You're in no condition to go gallivanting into the night. I mean to have a word with Councilman Murdoch. Murdoch? What do you want with him? Grey Man defeated me effortlessly. But Murdoch claims that Alvarez was driven away by his unyielding demeanor. This does not align with what we know about his abilities. It's clear that Grey Man has the skills to subdue Murdoch and take his valuables without having to resort to murder. Do you think there could be more to the story that Murdoch left out of his statement? That remains to be seen. Keep me updated on the mug trace. what I have to put up with, Miss Gordon. End of Chapter 3 Chapter 4 Revelation at the 36th Floor The ambiance in Robert Murdoch's apartment, located on the 36th floor of an upscale high-rise building, is filled with peaceful tranquility. Unaffected by the constant noise in the streets, the silence is broken only by the quiet hum of the air conditioning and the soft chatter of the television in the background. The councilman himself lies on his couch, lost in an uneasy slumber brought on by his overindulgence in whiskey. Little does he expect that Robert Murdoch is about to receive a visit from a most unexpected and memorable house guest. Wake up. Huh? Who's there? Show yourself. I've got a gun. Don't be alarmed, Councilman. I have no intention of causing you harm. However... I did take the liberty of removing the magazine from your Glock. For your own safety. Oh, it's you. Gordon's little friend. The Bat. Well, I'll be damned. I wasn't sure if you were real or just some kooky urban legend. 
How the hell did you get in here anyway? The balcony was unlocked. What? But this is the 36th floor. Oh, never mind. What's this about? I have found a suspect in your robbery case and need your help in confirming some details. <gasps> and this could wait till morning? According to Commissioner Gordon, you made it abundantly clear that the case is of the utmost urgency. <sighs> Fine. At least somebody in this town works for a living. So what do you need to know? The suspect, you described him as a Hispanic male in his late 20s? Yeah, that's right. Average height? Average build? Mm-hmm. Gray hoodie? Yep. Teardrop tattoo under left eye? Mm-hmm. That's not what you stated in the official report. Huh? Um, I mean... You told Detective Bullock that the suspect had a Chicano-style tattoo on his neck. Hold on just a damn minute now. Such carelessness could result in an innocent man being wrongly imprisoned. Innocent? Ha! <laughs> That's a laugh. Let me tell you something, pal. We're not so different, you and I. While I may not swing from rooftops in a fetish costume, we both strive to put the fear of God into the lowlives who prey on this city. Ultimately, it all boils down to sending a message. Every two-bit crook out there had better know that no one, and I mean no one, gets away with mugging Robert S. Murdoch. And what about your threat to cut funding to the GCPD and cause further chaos in the city? What message were you trying to send with that? Oh, for crying out loud. Gordon's still harping on that. I was just trying to light a fire under his ass. Apply some pressure to get results, you know? Sound advice. Hmm? <laughs> Up until now, Robert Murdoch has failed to fully grasp the danger that is Batman. He receives a harsh lesson as the Dark Knight grabs him by the throat and slams him against the wall like a ragdoll, despite Murdoch's 240-pound frame. Faced with the Batman's formidable presence and wrathful glare piercing through him, the councilman is left with no choice but to confess the truth about the incident. My patience is wearing thin. You're going to tell me what you really saw in that alley, and you're going to tell me now. <sighs> nothing. I saw nothing. Talk. <sighs> I, I, I was terrified. My body froze as I stared into the face of, of that, that thing. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. He's standing right there. Not three feet from me, but there's nothing there, like I'm looking into a void. It was like my brain couldn't even process what I was seeing. Like, like when you get a really bad migraine and your field of vision shrinks. Just like that, but worse. Then bang, out of nowhere, he clocks me right on the temple. I didn't lose consciousness, but it took me a while to get back on my feet. Well, by then, the mugger was gone. Why didn't you tell Bullock the truth? And subject myself to public ridicule? <laughs> no, thanks. The tabloids would have had a field day if they got wind of this. Embarrassing enough to get jacked in my own damn city, let alone by some freak. So you thought it appropriate to undermine the investigation by fabricating evidence and providing false testimony? Is that your idea of justice? Now, this is Gotham, for Christ's sakes. Pull any thug off the street. He's got a rap sheet as long as my arm. I figured I'd be doing the law-abiding taxpayers a favor. Case closed. Everybody's happy, nobody loses face. Interesting choice of words. Now, I want you to listen very carefully, Mr. Murdoch. Tomorrow, you'll go back to GCPD and retract your statement. Or... I will make sure you lose face in the most literal sense of the word.
Batman cracks his armored knuckles, leaving no room for doubt about the potential consequences if Robert Murdoch fails to follow through with his demands. All right, all right, you made your point. Jesus. I'll call the precinct first thing in the morning. I swear on my mother's life. I'm glad we have an understanding. And Councilman. Yeah? You are mistaken. Gotham is my city. Hey, what happened to the lights? As the electricity crackles and the lights suddenly go out, a convenient blackout envelops Robert Murdoch in darkness. As the fumbling councilman struggles to regain his bearings, Batman makes his way to cover and informs Oracle about the latest developments. Oracle, this is Batman. Do you read? Copy that, Batman. Your timing is impeccable. I was just about to holler you. How did your heart-to-heart -heart with Murdoch go? It was quite a revelation. Our esteemed councilman just admitted to fabricating parts of his statement. While it may not seem like much, we can at least conclude that Alvarez's abilities had the same effect on all of his victims. Oh, I'm afraid it's not that simple. Bruce, Hector Alvarez is dead. What? He passed away on April 3rd. I just got an automated notification a few minutes ago. Someone must have fumbled the paperwork and failed to file the report on time. Oracle, how did Hector Alvarez die? He died due to massive blood loss after being stabbed in the carotid artery by a rival gang member in a turf dispute. The EMTs were called to the scene, but they were unable to save him. A life of violence brought to a violent end. The coroner's report states TOD as 2.15 p.m. So unless the late Mr. Alvarez had access to a Lazarus pit, it's impossible that he could have encountered Murdoch in that alley, let alone attacked you three days later. In other words... We're back to square one. Hold that thought. Hey, it looks like the night may not be a complete loss after all. The mug trace finally came through. You got something on the girl? Uh-huh. Her name is Paloma Reigns, age 14, freshman at Gotham High. Paloma, that's Spanish for dove. Let me see if I can pull up her legal guardian. Ah, here we go. Mother Ellen Reigns, address... Oh, my sweet lord in heaven. Oracle, what is it? Hold on to your pointy ears, because you ain't going to believe this. The address for Rain's residence is 39 Cade Avenue, Robbinsville. End of Chapter 4 Chapter 5 Decision at Dawn Undaunted by his crushing defeat against Gray Man and armed with a new plan, Batman has returned to the rooftop of 39 Kane Avenue. The caped crusader knows that Commissioner Gordon, a trusted ally and friend, is counting on him to solve this mystery once and for all and bring the Phantom Thief to justice. The Oracle, however, does not share her mentor's confidence. Barbara has concerns about the feasibility of Batman's plan and is worried that he may be setting himself up for another defeat. She can't help but feel a sense of unease as she listens to her mentor prepare to face off against an unpredictable foe. Batman, do you read? Have you arrived at your destination? Copy, Oracle. That's affirmative. What's the plan, B-Man? I'm going to attempt Shin Shin Shingan. It's a ninjutsu combat meditation technique that allows me to enter an elevated state of awareness known as Mushin. In this state, practitioners are said to have the ability to sense even the slightest trace of ki, the life force energy that is present in all living things. By accessing Mushin, practitioners are thought to be able to anticipate and respond to threats more quickly and effectively, giving them an advantage. I'm not too sure about this. The plan sounds pretty risky, and you could be waiting around for days. Master Kurigi made me sit and wait for three weeks before he would even let me sweep the floor. This is not a joke, B. 
Exposing yourself to someone like Greyman, whoever he is, is practically suicidal. Please tell me you at least wore the heavily armored suit this time. Don't worry. I have a feeling our encounter will go a lot better this time around. Oh, do you, huh? You mind filling me in, too? Hello? Batman, do you copy? God damn it, Bruce. The Dark Knight is no longer responding, having fallen into a deep, trance-like state. With his right hand, Batman methodically performs the Kujikiri, a series of nine symbolic gestures known as Rin, Pio, To, Eswe, Che, Kai, Jin, Retsu, Zai, and finally Zen. The hours seem to drag on endlessly, with not a single sound or smell out of place. But just as the first light of dawn begins to peek over the horizon, Batman's heightened senses detect the slightest hint of energy where there should be none. The Dark Knight remains perfectly still and silent, focusing all of his attention on the source of the disturbance. Then he speaks softly, as one would do to a newborn fawn that has been separated from its mother, addressing the strange out-of-place presence that has caught his attention. Your doves are well cared for. That shows a sense of responsibility and compassion. Paloma. They... They're my mom's doves. I'm just taking care of them. A familiar-looking teenage girl in a Gotham High School uniform appears out of nowhere, as if she has been in Batman's proximity all along. The sudden emergence of this new sensory input is disorienting, but the Dark Knight manages to maintain his composure. H how did you know who I am? There's something to be said about good, old-fashioned detective work. And perhaps... stronger cows. Um, sorry about that. I was really scared because I thought I might have killed you. So I just ran. It took me a while to build up the courage to come back and check on you. But you were already gone. I've never hit anyone before. Well, except for that one time. Are you referring to the man in the alley on Upper West Side? Uh-huh. You tried to rob him, but he fought back. No, it's not like that. He's... he's my dad. But I don't really like calling him that. I just call him Bob. It's all his fault. Would you like to tell me what happened? Sure, I guess. But it's a long story. The thing about Bob is that he wasn't ever around much. Like, he and Mom didn't really live together. Sometimes Bob would stay for a few days, then we wouldn't see him for weeks. It had something to do with his job. Like, he was always bragging about all the famous people he hung out with. I wasn't supposed to see it, but every time Bob left, he would give Mom some money. But honestly, it was better when it was just the two of us. Bob's kind of scary. He has this way of looking at you. Like you're something he scraped off the bottom of his shoe. Every now and then, Mom and Bob would get into these arguments about him acknowledging me or whatever. Not sure what it means exactly, but it seems like a big deal to Mom. This one time, Bob got really angry. He yelled and called me an unhappy accident. Mom never brought it up again. She kept saying everything's going to be better once Bob gets this new big shot job and they get married. I never believed it for a second. Soon after Bob started working for the city, he left Mom for another woman. Like his secretary or something. Mom had to work double shift on Big Belly Burger just so we could afford to live in this rat infested dump. When Mom wasn't working, she would just cry in her bed. This one doctor gave her some pills that were supposed to make her feel better, but they just made everything worse. Mom stopped crying, all right, but then she stopped going to work. Her boss, Karen, called and screamed at me that if Mom doesn't show up in five minutes, she's fired. Now, Mom hardly ever gets out of bed. When she does, she just sits there and stares. I have to take care of her by feeding, bathing, and changing her clothes so she doesn't starve or smell like a corpse. That's a lot of responsibility to take on at such a young age. 
Is there anyone in your family who might be able to assist with your mother's care? Perhaps grandparents, aunts, or uncles, who could be able to help? Nah. Mom doesn't have any sisters or brothers, and her parents died before I was born. Is that the reason you turned to robbery? Because you needed money to care for your mother? I... I know it's wrong and could get me in trouble, but... I didn't know what else to do. There's this big pile of envelopes on the kitchen table with final notice written on them, with huge red letters. Our landlord, Mr. Bradley, came by a few days ago saying our rent is past due. Usually he's pretty cool. Mr. Bradley even let Mom keep the doves up here on the roof. So I let him in and told him about Mom. I thought that if Mr. Bradley saw Mom being all zombie, maybe he would be, like, more understanding and stuff. But then, Mr. Bradley said that if I put on my cute pink top and come over to his place and be real nice to him, maybe we could work something out. Well, that's when I pulled my little party trick and freaked him out. Mr. Bradley ran away, and I haven't seen him since. I'm sorry for everything you've had to go through, Paloma. You're very lucky that nobody's got seriously hurt, yourself included. I didn't really think about it at the time. I just knew I had to do something to help out my mom. I never thought in a million years that Batman would come after me for, like, stealing a bunch of people's phones and wallets. So I panicked and grabbed the first thing I could find. That's when I hit you on the head with this rusty old crowbar. People say you're, like, bulletproof, so I thought it would only spook you. Yes, it seems that I was not fully prepared for a stealthy 14-year-old girl. Let's just say I'm glad you're not any stronger than you already are. <laughs> not as stealthy as you might think. I learned that the hard way. When Mom stopped going to work, I thought I could just shoplift the stuff we needed. But I got caught on the first try. The security guard, like, saw me on the monitors. Lucky for me, he didn't call the cops and just let me off with a warning. That's when I figured I needed to work the streets where there are fewer cameras. See, my powers only work on people, animals too, which really comes in handy for feeding my mom's doves. That's what I was doing when you showed up. If you don't mind me asking, how did you get your powers? Thing is, I've been getting bullied for as long as I can remember. Like, there's something about me that just rubs people the wrong way, and I don't get it. It's weird because I'm not even big on popularity or anything. All I want is to be left alone, but apparently that's too much to ask. There was this one really bad day at school. No, not just really bad, like the worst ever. This one girl Janine, or Queen Janine as everyone calls her, and her posse have been on my case all semester. It wasn't enough just to hurt me. No, they had to make a spectacle of it and humiliate me in front of the entire school. The way the others cheered, like it was some big sporting event. I cried myself to sleep that night, wishing I never had to wake up again. So imagine my surprise when the next day, all of a sudden, the bullies stopped picking on me. Nobody said a word. Not Queen Janine, not anyone. Not even a sideways glance. At first, I thought they were playing a prank by ignoring me. Like I'm so irrelevant that they didn't even see me. But after a while, I realized it wasn't just the other kids. It was the teachers too. Careful what you wish for, right? For what it's worth, I might be able to explain what happened. Paloma, I believe you possess a rare genetic mutation known as the metagene. It is not unusual for the metagenetic powers to lie dormant until they manifest during times of intense psychological distress. Without proper guidance, the emergence of these abilities can be a confusing and traumatic experience. You're telling me... It still takes a lot of concentration to be all there, like the way you see and hear me right now. If I ease up a little, people will notice someone's there, but not exactly who or what. It scares and confuses the heck out of people, which is useful for, you know, all the bad stuff. At first, everything went okay. People just gave me their things without any fuss. Then... I ran into Bob on that alley, the last person I expected to see. He just stood there without saying a word and looked at me, like he always does. So I 
flipped out and hit him with my bag. It's all Bob's fault that my mom is the way she is. What kind of father does that to his own family? It just made me so... angry. A long time ago, someone hurt the people I love and took them away from me. That left me feeling angry in a way that I was never able to fully reconcile. When you're angry all the time, it can leave you feeling broken. And when you feel broken, it's hard to see that there's still goodness in others and in the world around us. You know, this is totally lame, but I used to be like your biggest fan. I dreamed of being a superhero just like you, because you were the only one in this awful place who wasn't afraid to stand up to the bullies. But it's all a big joke, this whole hero thing. Just a stupid kid's stupid dream. There are no heroes in this world, just people being awful to each other. What's the point of fighting all the bullies and bad guys if you don't believe people are ever going to change? I can only speak for myself, but for me, the pursuit of justice gives me purpose and defines the man I choose to be. While some may call me a hero, the truth is I do what I do because it is the only thing that makes me feel whole. Perhaps it's lame, perhaps it's stupid, but it is the only way I know how to live my life. Like me, you did what you did because it is the only way you knew how. You made a brave choice to put yourself in harm's way, fully aware of the potential consequences. It is this selfless act that makes you a hero, Paloma. You... you really think so? I do. But being a hero also means being accountable. You must now choose whether to continue running and living as a fugitive, relying on your powers to protect you for a time, or take responsibility for your actions. If you choose the latter, you can come with me to the police station and turn yourself in. The Commissioner is a friend who I would trust with my life. Jim will make sure you are treated fairly and that you will receive all the help you need. I know it's the right thing to do, but I'm scared. Someone once told me there is no greater challenge nor greater reward than facing that which you fear most. Who, who was it? The person who said that? Those words were spoken by my mother. Batman has a mom? Yes. Even Batman has a mom, and just like you, I loved my mother very much. What will happen to her? My mom, I mean. Regardless of your decision, your mother will be taken care of. Promise? I promise. What about me? Will I have to go to prison? I won't lie to you, Paloma. Your actions have serious consequences that cannot be ignored. It is possible that you will have to serve time in a juvenile detention center, but I'm going to make you another promise. When you're released, I would like to introduce you to a group of exceptionally gifted young people known as the Titans. With their guidance and support, you can learn to harness the full potential of your powers and find a new sense of purpose. Paloma Reigns is torn between her desire to trust Batman and the deep-seated mistrust that has been ingrained in her. The tears that fall from her eyes speak to the inner turmoil she feels as she struggles to reconcile her conflicting emotions. Suddenly, as if providence would have it, the sun breaks free from the horizon and casts its warm rays upon Paloma's face, like the gentle embrace of a loving mother so sorely missed. When I was a little kid, Mom would carry me up here, and we would watch the sunrise together. All those pretty colors in the sky. It was like magic. Then she would smile and say, Light conquers darkness, and the world begins anew, full of hope and possibilities. But now, every time I come up here, it just feels so empty and lonely, like all the colors are gone. There is great wisdom in your mother's words, Paloma. Her depression may make it feel like she's lost to you, 
but she's still here, and with the right help, she can recover. This can be a fresh start for you too, and it all begins with your choice to trust me. So what do you say? Are you ready to be a hero? The End